Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Many families would decide to purchase that sacrifice when they got there because it was difficult to travel with an animal for a long journey. So as you travel hundreds of miles, when you finally get there, the person at the gate would say, well, where's your sacrifice? Well, we need to get one. They would say, okay, well, you can go right over there and you can get a sacrifice over there. And of course, the sacrifice over there is going to cost you 10 times as much as if you would have bought it outside of the area. And of course, then in order to get the sacrifice, you've got to take your money to the exchange booth, which is over there, and exchange your money at an extremely high exorbitant you know, interest rate, and it was all a ripoff. You know, it's something like going to the movies. <laughs> you know, you pay $10 to get in the movie and $250 for a box of popcorn, right? It's the same thing. And then there are those who brought their sacrifice with them to Jerusalem. You know, there was families, they would like have like a lamb and they would have the little baby lamb and they would raise the lamb for years. And they would tell the kids, you know, someday we're going to have to take the lamb to the Passover and we're going to have to sacrifice a little lamby. So, they, you know, kids love lambs and, you know, they love little lambies and they, you know, they, they give it a little name. So they got to take the lamb to the sacrifice and they, you know, got to say goodbye today because we're going to have to sacrifice, you know, this lamb. So they, they, they bring their lamb with them. They arrive at the temple and the priest would inspect the lamb. And so you come there, you got your lamb and you've traveled 90 miles with this lamb. And you come to the gate where the inspection priest on duty was. And you give him your lamb and he's got to inspect it to make sure the lamb, come on, somebody help me, to make sure the lamb is without spot or blemish. So the, and the priest is inspecting the lamb and he's looking under the leg and he's going, oh, okay. He's checking the teeth and looking under the nose, make sure that he says, ah, oy vey. I see a spot, right? There's a spot right there. Look at a spot. I don't see a spot. Oh, yeah, it's right there. I, well, I, don't, I don't see it there. Well, it's right there. I'm the inspection. I'm trained to do this. I know. There's a spot right there. You can't sacrifice this, this, this lamb for a sacrifice. You're going to have to go over there and buy another lamb. That's what I say. And it was a big ripoff. 
And of course, before you get the offering, go buy the lamb. You've got to go exchange your money and to exchange your money. You had to pay a high interest rate. You're upset, but you've got, to, you've got no choice but to exchange. It was all a setup and everybody was getting paid and everybody was in cahoots. And the temple area had become a one-stop shopping of a den of thieves. And Annas, the high priest, sold franchises for the concession stands to the highest bidder. And he was making a killing. And the merchants are selling stuff and they were making a killing and the priests were declaring every offering unacceptable and they were making a killing. So the people of God, are y'all getting this? The people of God are coming to worship God with a pure heart and everybody is taking advantage of them and making a killing off of them in the church. Y'all know where I'm going. And everybody is taking advantage of People And right there in the house of God, in the temple of God, God was being dishonored. And instead of worship and prayer and praise, Jesus found a feeding frenzy of corruption and greed and wickedness. Get this in your mind's eye. Jesus is walking around. I paint all that scene to tell you this. Jesus is walking around listening to this chaos. And he picks up some leather cords because they probably had leather cords thrown around from bringing the oxen in. And when they're done, when they're done with leading them where they go, they just throw the leather straps down. So Jesus is walking around. He's hearing all this chaos and he sees a leather cord down there and he just picks that one up. And people are yelling and they're arguing and they're gambling, grappling for this price and that price. And you're ripping me off and I can't believe you. And popcorn is cheaper and I don't believe you. And Jesus is walking around listening to this and he picks up another leather cord and then he sees another leather cord and he picks it up and all of a sudden Jesus is walking around, listening to all the chaos. He can hear people arguing and he's plaiting together a whip. He's making a whip and people are haggling over the price and Jesus can hear the anger in their voices and it's like a circus of cheating, profiteering and Jesus got angry. Now listen. Jesus did not have an anger problem. Y'all say amen. Jesus did not need anger management. Some of y'all do. Jesus did not say amen. There are some people who have a problem. They have a hard time with Jesus getting angry. Listen, the Bible has a lot to say about anger. Anger, you take a note, you write this down. Anger is a God-given characteristic. Anger nothing wrong with anger. Punching holes in sheetrock, that's wrong. Say amen, fellas. Breaking dishes is wrong. Say amen, ladies, because y'all good at that. Y'all throw a dish in a minute. Be like, I got used to it. I'm like, yeah, you thought you got me now. Oh, oh, man. So y'all ladies, y'all gonna throw one that way, throw one that way, then come back around. That's wrong. Slapping someone? Although, some folks need it. I have to say I'm a preacher. It's wrong. Ephesians 4, 26. It's on the screen. Uh, it's so important. Come on, read it with me. Be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. The Bible is clear. Listen, if you love, then anger is a necessary component of love. 
God is love, and therefore God will be righteously angry. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Psalm 7, 11, God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. That's a sobering verse. God is angry with the wicked every day. Acts 17, Paul is walking around Athens and his spirit is stirred or he's angry. Nehemiah, you know, got angry and he pulled out the men's beard. I like that. He pulled, Nehemiah got angry and pulled out their beard. Ezra got angry and pulled out his own beard. I don't like that. That hurts. Pulling out the beard, that hurts. There's nothing wrong with anger, with righteous anger. Listen, Christians, we should be angry when we see a child sexually abused. Somebody say amen. We should be angry when we see a culture that supports abortion. When we look at the scriptures, Jesus was angry, but his anger was always other-centered. Huh. He wasn't angry because he was feeling hurt. He wasn't angry because he was ignored. He wasn't angry because he was cranky. Jesus isn't cranky. Are you glad about it? He's not cranky. We don't serve a cranky God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's not cranky. Jesus was angry for others' sake. Jesus was angry when others were hurt. We get angry when someone offends us, don't we? When somebody cuts us off to 440, that's where we see your Christianity, now, don't we? We see just how Christian you really are when somebody cuts you off. Some little boy asked his mommy, he said, Mommy, why is it whenever daddy drives, all the idiots come out? <laughs> Jesus is angry because people began to, listen, Jesus is angry because people began to despise the house of God. And yesterday I'm in my office and I'm preparing earlier in the day and I sat there and I just sat there and I just sat there and I just pondered this one thought. God is angry at the people because they, people began to despise the house of God. And I began to think, what would God think of his house today? What would God think of his house today? Looking at the church today, we've got churches that call themselves seeker-sensitive churches, or they call themselves seeker churches. You heard of these seeker churches? Just kind of wave at me like this. There's seeker churches. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'll tell you. A seeker church is a church that they don't want to say anything to offend a non-believer. So they take out the words like blood, blood of Jesus. They don't want to talk about that. That's yucky stuff. We don't want to talk about the blood. That's depressing. And we don't want to talk about sin. They take out the sin word and they say, Jesus died for the things that we do wrong. Listen, Jesus didn't die for the things we do wrong. I can tell you this. If you lived on this earth and it's not possible, but if it were and you never did a thing wrong, you would still be a sinner. Because the Bible says you are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Am I right about that? That's the truth. 
So you don't have to do something wrong to be a sinner, but seeker churches don't want to offend everybody, anybody, so they take out anything that's offensive. We got false teaching in the church, uh, the seed faith, and plant a seed for your need, and, and God's plan for prosperity, health, wealth, name it, claim it. Telethons, praise-a-thons, beg-a-thons. Uh, we're watching TV the other day, Christian Miracle Juice. Christian, what in the world? Christian Miracle. And of course, you can get this Christian Miracle Juice if you send in a love offering of $49.99. Listen, that's the most expensive juice you ever bought, okay? That's not a love offering. Christian Miracle Juice. If you put this juice in your refrigerator, I am not making this stuff up. If you put this juice in your refrigerator, when some non-believer or your husband who you've been praying for, you, he's gonna, something's going to happen. If he drinks that juice, something is going to happen. I'm like, yeah, something's going to happen. He's going to get his thirst, his thirst quenched. Uh, of course something's going to happen. He ain't going to be thirsty no more. Uh, what do you mean? It's not going to save him. Juice doesn't save anybody, but this is Christian miracle juice. What would God think of his church today? And I think of, you know, I get it. I get the Christian awards. I get all the award shows and the devil awards, and I get all of that. But listen, you know, honestly, to me, something doesn't set right with that kind of thing. In an award show, and I get it. Everybody wants to be recognized for the good work they do. That's a wonderful thing. But, you know, when you, it's just, you know, those things to me set it up where you, you know, I don't know. But we're in the flesh. We are still in this earth. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And if I'm, in, you know, in an award show and it's my album against somebody else's album and who's going to get the artist of the year, I'm going to be sitting there thinking, Lord, I hope I get it and I hope they don't. I mean, that's just... We're only human, but it's the world. We've got to have everything. Why is it the church has to have everything the world has? So if the world has something, the church got to do. The world has American Idol. We got Sunday best. Only one person will say amen. Uh Y'all acting like, oh, I don't even watch watch TV. I don't know. I just don't know what y'all, y'all going to get home and go, Pastor Ronnie, crazy, I thought my Sunday best. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Trying to act all holy. We got to do everything. Listen, we Christians, we are in the world, but we are not of this world. Let the world do what the world does, and that's be worldly. And let the church do what it does, and that is to be holy. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it clean. And I am confident, listen, if Jesus were on this earth today, he'd be throwing money changers out of the church left and right. Christian TV would be really interesting if Jesus were on earth, wouldn't it? Right in the middle, think about it. Right in the middle of, call this number on your screen and sow a seed for your need. Jesus will come running across the screen with the whip in his hand. You brutal vipers, you sinners, you dead of thieves. Get out of here, you charlatans. I love it. I love it. Jesus, 
What would he think of the church today? I wonder. Jesus said, don't make, look at verse 16, we got to move forward. Don't make my father's house a house of what, saints? Merchandise. Jesus said, note this, my father's house, not your father, my father. In other words, my father's house is about knowing and loving my father. In this house, my father is supreme. My father is the supreme treasure here. The focus has been taken off of my father and place in place of trade and scams and schemes. Jesus is angry because he could see through their religious helpful heart. Jesus could see their, this bazaar, this emporium, this super Walmart was not advancing fellowship and love for his heavenly father. This was not flowing from a heart of love for God. It was flowing from a heart of love of money. And the Bible says Jesus was angry and in his anger he turns over the tables now get this i don't know if you've ever seen tables turned over in an angry way maybe accidentally but in an angry way tables turning that's a pretty violent and scary thing is some people who have the sunday school idea of jesus don't they the thin scrawny puny little man Meek and mild, Jesus loves everyone, judges no one. Listen, that might be a man somewhere, but that's not this man. First of all, let me say this, and maybe I can get a witness in the house. Jesus is a man's man. Uh, He's a man's man. Jesus is a man's man, and this man has a whip in his hand and he violently, radically, forcefully drives everyone out of the temple. Jesus is angry. Don't y'all get it? Because Jesus saw a Ponzi scheme. Jesus saw hypocrisy. He saw religion used as a front for greed. He saw empty forms of love for God plastered over the insatiable love of money. And when Jesus sees this form of godliness a covering a cover for gain, his blood boils. You can almost hear the zeal of Jesus burning in his voice when he said in Matthew 23, 25, he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside, what? They are full of greed and self-indulgence. Jesus said, you put up a fine display of religious helpfulness in the bazaar, but you are driven by the love of money and not the love of God. Jesus turned over the tables and said to those who sold the dove, saints, look at this here. I want you to see this here. This is extremely important. Look at verse uh, 16. He said to those, he said to those who sold the doves, Notice he didn't turn over the tables with the doves on it. Now, I'm telling you that because there might be some PETA people here. And I don't want y'all to think, I'm just trying to help. I'm your pastor. I'm just trying to help you. I don't want you to think Jesus hurt the little doveys. Some of y'all are like, oh, Jesus hurt the doveys. He doesn't throw the table. The doves are flying all hurting the doves. He didn't hurt the doves. He said, look what the Bible says. Read the Bible. He said to those who sold the doves, take these things away and don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. Remember I told you that during the Passover, people would clean the house of leaven because leaven represents what? Sin. Here Jesus is cleaning out the leaven of his father's house. 
11 of the Pharisees corrupt religious leaders in their system. Now listen, don't confuse this story with, with the other three accounts in the Gospels of Jesus cleansing the temple. There are actually two cleansings of Jesus in the temple in, in Jesus' ministry. Here is one in the beginning in John chapter 2. And then there is another one because obviously they didn't learn from this one. There's another one later on in his ministry at the end of Jesus' ministry. Look at verse 17. Jesus drives out the ripoff artists in the temple and he turns over the tables and money is flying in the air and people are yelling, what's going on? And the Bible tells us then the disciples looked at each other and said, oh, that's what, write it in your margin, Psalm 69, 9 is talking about. Zeal for your father's house has eaten you up. In other words, love for the father, love for his house, love for his people had consumed Jesus. Jesus is consumed by love for the father and people. Question, what are you consumed with? Did you hear me? What are you consumed with? Because everybody, listen, everybody is consumed with something. Some people are consumed with drugs and alcohol and sex and gaming and money and education. And some people are consumed with knowledge. You ever meet some people like they're always in school? You ever meet people like that? They're like always in school, always. They've got like 17 degrees and they're always in school. Hey, how you doing? What you doing? Well, I'm in school. It's like, hey, why don't you get a job? Well, who would ever thunk it? <laughs> consume with education and consume with knowledge and consume with ambition. And some people are consumed by relationships. What bugs you enough that eats you up? What consumed Jesus is his father's house. Are you listening? What consumed Jesus is love for God. What consumed Jesus was love for God's people. What consumed Jesus is that his father is being misrepresented. Look at verse 18. Jesus is zealous, consumed for the house of God. The religious leaders are zealous and consumed for religion. And so they ask, watch this. What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Interesting. They don't question the rightness of his action. They're questioning the authority or the right he had to do it. They're saying, why are you driving? They're not saying, why are you driving out the ripoff artists? Because they know what they're doing is wrong. They're saying, what sign do you show us for doing this thing that you're doing? Now, listen, my next statement, I can't prove it, but I'm confident that they must be thinking Malachi chapter 8, God, they know the word. These are scribes, these are Pharisees. They know the Bible. They know the scriptures. They got to be thinking of Malachi 3, 1 tells us, behold, I send messengers and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messengers of the covenant in whom you delight in verse three, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. That will be the priest and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in what? Righteousness. This verse had to click in their heads. Now listen, before we go any further, I know that there's probably some of you who are thinking 
Pastor Rodney, okay, so what's the difference with you guys having a bookstore in Calvary Chapel and this story right here? See, I can see what y'all thinking. The Holy Spirit has revealed question marks over your heads right now. I see it in the Spirit. So you're thinking, so what's the difference? Well, listen, there's a lot of difference. First of all, you got to understand something here. Jesus did not have a problem whatsoever, hear me, no problem with them selling anything. That's not the point. The point is they were selling and taking advantage of people and selling at an exorbitant price and taking uh, advantage of God's people and ripping the people off. Secondly, listen, the church today is not the temple of God. Don't you know? The Bible says you are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit of God, somebody say a better amen than that. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. When you become a Christian, am I right about it? When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of you. And now you are the temple of the living God. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the Bible says. Jesus is in us. And then thirdly, listen, I think on a very practical level, Everything in the bookstore is cheaper than you will find in any store outside. Why? Because we don't have the overhead. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.